I can actually give you a mustache to make up for your... All right. There's still like... There's still like... Okay. Welcome to episode 12 of the Not Salty Podcast. I'm your host, John Bell. And as always, I am joined by my good friends and co-hosts, Kristen Skeevers and Mike Fenton. In this episode, we interview our friend Josh Spiker. Josh was born and raised in Garrett County. He is a true outdoor enthusiast, and he is the head of the non-for-profit group Garrett Trails. On this podcast, Josh reviews the role of the Garrett Trails organization within the community, talks about life growing up in Western Maryland, and of course, he tells us his best honey honey story. If you haven't been to the Garrett Trails website, check it out. Josh and his group have created hundreds of miles of non-motorized trail system throughout the county. It's a pretty cool group. If you're into hiking, mountain biking, or just knowing a little bit about the behind-the-scenes history of the area, turn the volume up and enjoy the show. Mike, hit the intro. And here we go. Welcome to episode number 12. Um, I turned 46 last week. Uh, yeah. Happy birthday to me. How does it feel? Well, so, uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of morbid. Like, I was telling Noel, um, I don't know if morbid's the right word, but uh, it hit me one day that I probably won't live past 90. I mean, it's, it's a good assumption that 90's probably pushing the limits, and uh, hopefully I make it there, but I'm probably not going to make it past 90, right? I'm definitely on the downhill side. Oh, my God, <laughs> Yeah, but here's, uh, here's how I always looked at it. You get to live your whole life over. Good point. And, and half of it, you were, like, less, you know, 15 and younger, you know, for, so... My buddy, smarter. my buddy Dave texted me on my birthday, and he's like, whatever, dude, we're in our prime, we're stronger than we've ever been, and blah, blah, Maybe I knew he was lying, but maybe he was better about myself. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we're in our, I'm in my prime, guys. <laughs> Actually, yeah, good point. Full uh, swing. It's kind of neat, too, because we're packing, and uh, we're getting ready to move, and so I started packing up stuff, and um, I found uh, a bunch of my old high school report cards and all that kind of stuff, and um I forget what it was. It was something in the ninth grade, and I was like, man, I totally forgot about that. Like, uh Totally forgot. So yeah, you're right, Mike. I get we get to live all that over again. That was a long time. <laughs> now, if I'm 90 and if we're still doing this, uh, if we're still doing this podcast, I'm 90. That's gonna Dude, suck. I can't wait we to hear your voice when you're 90. <laughs> 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 you think the speech impediment's bad now? <laughs> hey, nice hat, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. looks good. It was my birthday present. Thanks. Kristen ordered them. Yeah, we got some not not salty swag. Yeah, John has a standard hat, and Kristen and I have a specialty hat. So yeah. special order only. Before we get into the show, I've got to give a shout out to somebody who I don't even know. And uh, uh, I had a birthday party on Saturday at Pawn Run, and there was a guitar player there. And I didn't realize who this guitar player was, and I still don't. He was a great guitar player. I wish that I would have paid more attention to him, but I didn't. It was it was my birthday. There was probably fifty people there, and I was just pulling a million directions. It was really fun. But I was just talking to everybody, and I didn't pay attention to this guitar player, right? And I did notice at one point, Fenton, you were just sitting there on the couch watching him. Oh, and yeah. and I it didn't dawn on me. I was like, look at this loser. <laughs> talking about you, not the guitar player. But uh, I was like, I was like, why is he not talking to anybody? It's totally out of character for Fenton not to be talking to people. And then uh, I forgot to talk to you because I got busy, but whatever. 
So then Jesse texted me the next day or something. He goes, dude, when I walked into your party, you were standing about a foot and a half in front of this guitar player. And basically he was singing to your butt. <laughs> and again, I wasn't paying attention. And he goes, that's funny to me because this guy is super, super famous, popular coming up. Jesse was saying that he uh, yeah, sold really out good. some show in Maine or something. Yeah. And I, I regret not talking to him. I super regret not listening to him. And I feel, holy cow, privileged he was actually there. Um, who was this guy? Uh, Cole Davidson, I think. I don't know his last name. I just, he was introduced to me as Cole when I first met him. And uh, he's phenomenal. He's really, really good. Super talented on guitar. Very good singer. And uh, I, I only seen him in Garrett County twice. Once was when Shimrock did his guitar expo at Moonshadow. Um, another time he was randomly playing at Deep Creek Seafood. Oh. And uh, and then this time when I got there, I'm like, hmm, oh, this guy's pretty good. Oh. <laughs> and then I'm like, I Jimmy got there, and I was like, is that Cole? He goes, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I was like, wow, did Noel get Cole to play at John's <laughs> birthday? And I talked to Noel. She was like, he was just here. I'm like. <laughs> Wow. What a we great... didn't hire him or anything. He was just yeah. there. Jesse told Pretty me cool. he's friends with Andrew, one of the owners at, at Pond Run, and just came in and agreed to play or whatever. And it was super cool. And uh, if you're listening, thank you. I'm sorry for making you sing into my butt. It was <laughs> such a horrible thing. Um, um, someday, we wish you the best of luck. We'd love to have you on the show. And someday, when you're on Jimmy Kimmel, uh, please feel free to make fun of us. Uh, thank you. <laughs> 100% Cole Davidson. Cole Davidson, everyone. Mike, hit the round of applause thing when the... Uh, Whatever it is, if we have one. <laughs> close enough. Close. So enough about me. <laughs> Might be. We're here today with our good friend, uh, Garrett County uh, homegrown boy who uh, runs Garrett Trails, our friend Josh Spiker. How are you guys? What's Hi. up, man? Excellent. So, Josh, you grew up here. Your father was a home builder. Um, family was tied into real estate. And somehow you got hooked up with a group called Garrett Trails. Right. What the heck do you guys actually do? So, Garrett Trails is a nonprofit that works in the county, primarily on county ground, along with certain DNR lands. So, uh, Paul Sarbanes Trail, Jennings Randolph Reservoir, Fork Run Recreation Area, Meadow Mountain Trail, Margraf Plantation and Accident, and uh, Visitor Center Trail here in, in McHenry. We were talking with uh, Paul Ep or Paul Edwards on one of the episodes, and Paul said, I think it was maybe it was a conversation we had on the side, I don't know if it was an episode or not, but you're a lot like the Parks and Rec of Garrett County, maybe. Like, Garrett County doesn't have a because Park we, and yeah. Rec, so you guys are a lot like that, but you build bike and hiking trails? Yeah, we, we specialize in non-motorized trails, um, so biking, hiking. Uh, the Parks and Rec, certainly in the land use plans that the county's put out in years past, we've been called de facto. Okay. That changed with last year's plan uh, that the county released, which I recommend everyone go on. I'm a management plan guy, so I like <laughs> reading them. But um, you'll find a lot of useful information about public land in the county. And so as we move forward, we're trying to get some of the, the maintenance stuff more towards the county side, um, as far as whether that's hiring contractors or things of that nature. I haven't spent much time with you at work, but I've, I've seen your work a couple of days. And one of your first things you think to yourself is, how hard can it be to build trails? Right. Like, I mean, you think in your head, you go with a chainsaw and you build a trail. It actually is hard to build. I'll let you elaborate on that. And then once you have the trail, it's actually hard to maintain. Like, you can't just avoid it or else it'll grow back to wild again, right? Right. And that's, you know, when you work with different land managers, whether it be state agencies or county, um, and even just the general public, that's one of the concerns about developing new trails. How do you maintain them into the future? 
In fact, when I'm in front of, say, you know, Senator Cardin or someone like that, I get the very small, just little FaceTime um, as the big wigs around me speak to him. But if I'm asked by an assistant or chief of staff, what are the needs of the county for trails? The very first thing that I mentioned is long-term maintenance programs. Sure. You know, staff the state parks, fund the state parks so that they can do the state park duties as opposed to um, being spread thin on a bunch of maintenance issues. You know, and then for building trails, the actual building for single track trails isn't really complicated. A mini excavator, a couple of laborers with some hand tools, you can get a lot done. It's still time consuming, right? It's time consuming. Um, what I find is the most time consuming is trying to find the funds. Okay. Um, and traditionally, before COVID, we can all say that now. It was... We're going to get flagged again every episode. <laughs> it's totally fine. But every, what are you going to do? We say something it's about really, COVID. It's yeah. the world we live in. Yeah. Right. Well, and it was a different world. You know, when you would go to try to get money for trails prior to this, you could spend years, years and years trying to get just a little bit here, a little bit there to develop trails. And then as we were on quarantine, the world recognized the need for outdoor recreation. It grew so tremendously, particularly here in the county where, you know, you're looking at trail counter numbers that tripled through that. Um the, the people in the state assembly and other political leaders, community leaders have said, we want to see the money that came in from Outdoor Rec be reinvested back into trail infrastructures. And that's really, my experience, the first time that's ever happened in, a, in an area like this. Wow. You know, you see it certainly, um, I know a lot of people here have been to Colorado. You see those communities are designed around trails in many ways. They're, sure. they're integrated. Where trails here are sort of an afterthought. And that's, that's no longer the case. You know, when we speak to people, we talk about this is infrastructure. It's important to the community. It's important for their health. It's important for people to be able to operate or start new businesses that are close to trails. So that's really the harder part is to find the money um, and get it applied in a timely fashion, you know, so. One of the, uh, I think it's, hopefully I don't, I don't know how to say this the right way. I do think a positive thing that came out of COVID, obviously COVID is very negative, but a positive thing that came out of it is it woke people up and reminded them that it's fun to be outside. Right. I've noticed that in mountain biking, hiking, skiing, you see it in golf, like uh, all every, everything outside had just kind of slowed down over the years. And right. then now all of a sudden people are like, oh man, it's really nice to be outside. Right. So if you want to be outside, you have to have trails. And I guess one of the issues, if, if you don't have trails, People are going to go there anyway, and they're trespassing, and they're getting hurt where people can't help them. So trail systems are important for people to actually use, but if you don't make them, they're going to make their own, which is what you don't want. Yeah, we don't want to see that. And, you know, in the past, again, it was you're correct. You'd have, whether it be UTV use, ATV use, or just people walking, you know, if you own private property in Garrett County in the past, you likely encounter people on your property. But since this infrastructure has been built out in the state forest, state parks, county property, they have a place to go now. I think the same could be said uh, for the the on-the-road UTV sticker. Oh, yeah. Right? So now that they're legally allowed to drive on roads in certain places, they're not going over the top of the mountain on your property. And that's one of the things I try to focus on, too, is to help disperse people and do that by showing them all the options available to them. So our trail page is not comprehensive. Um, Very few things, you know, there's a lot of trails in this county that are small, different places. But we try to show people without giving away everyone's favorite location (laughs) – but at the end of the day, uh, you could, there are many beautiful places besides Swallow Falls or besides Deep Creek State Park. Mike's going to invent an app that shows where everybody is so we'll know where the popular areas are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's your app idea. Yeah, you? Josh would totally hate it. But hate, it would totally work. Well, I hate to burst the bubble, but the Strava heat map already did. Oh, Strava, Strava's awesome. Man, I've yeah, really got to get cool. on uh, social media one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did see you one time. Um, we were on the backside of Fork Run. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, oh yeah, we met there about a parking lot and you were showing me where, uh, where you were cutting in a new trail. And this was a couple years ago, whenever it was. And that's even complicated. I mean, some of this terrain you're navigating through, uh, I, I didn't walk very far with you, but I mean, it was thick and it was rocky and it was just, uh, you had to get in there somehow and bust through the woods and figure out where you can have a trail. Cause fork runs pretty, but it's also, um, it's diverse, you know, you've yeah. got cliffs and you've got areas that are easy to walk on and, um, is that pretty fun for you to lay out those trails? It's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I started with Garrett Trails in 2010 as a seasonal employee when they built the Red Trail in Fork Run. Uh, we like to say that trail was handcrafted. It was a group, myself, um, another local named Brian Bernard. He was hired as the assistant foreman. And we went in with a group of kids from Community Action. So kids from uh, Western Port, you know, I say kids, teenagers, 18, 19, they were looking for, to develop job skills. Yeah. And so we put digging bars and shovels in their hands and took them into Fork Run for, <laughs> for maybe almost four months. Yeah, like we digging to build character. It did, it did build a lot of character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these days with the uh, machines, you can go a lot faster. But my point is like the layout. I love the layout because for me, I have to walk back and forth across the hill dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Um, you're always trying to keep it below a certain grade, right? You don't want it to be too steep in places. A lot of that also is for maintenance. But I just get to walk back and forth across the hill. You know, and then I move my flagging and I move my flagging until by the time I'm done, I've seen pretty much every piece of that hillside. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, in Fork Run, bobcat kittens. First time I've ever seen a bobcat kitten. Oh, I didn't know what you were saying. I've never seen a bobcat. Yeah. I was imagining oh. like an excavator. I know. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What's a bobcat kitten? <laughs> I've never even the, heard of it. Yeah. These are the special things you just get to see by, you know, being able to spend your time outside. Well, especially before the trail goes in. Yeah. Right? Now, so. to be clear, that trail, the trail was nowhere near where I saw them. Okay. Um, okay. And that's important to us. Because they're you know, grown up by now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The kittens were super cute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that's important to us. And I did certainly say, okay, you know, if this is a habitat that they're using on this side, where can I move this away from that habitat? Because it does change drastically across the hillside. Yeah. It yeah. goes from a rocky terrain to a full greenbrier, deer browse terrain. And so we tend to stay over in that greenbrier, deer browse terrain there. Well, and your group is still disturbing the forest a little bit, sure. but it's not like you're disturbing it a lot. It's not like you're building a golf course, things like that. Um, not beat up on a golf course, but I did mm-hmm. notice uh, when you put one in, all the animals who used to live there now have to live somewhere else. You right. guys are making paths, and you're being very environmentally friendly with what you do. Um, it's the goal. You know, we have regulations that we have to follow depending on who the grant comes from. Yeah. So the Fork Run Connector Trail that we're hoping to get built this year is an MDOT Recreational Trails Program grant. So it had to go through an entire environmental review process. It went to, uh, because it's a Maryland Environmental Trust property, it went through DNR uh, reviews. And so when they come back and they say, okay, you can build the trail, but you can't cut any tree larger than four inches. Gotcha. That sort of sets the mandate for how we'll design the characteristics of the trail. And we use natural leaf litter to mulch when we're done. So the edges of the trail, we just go out, we find leaf piles in the forest, collect those. You know, so we're not bringing in grass that doesn't belong there. Well, and your, I guess your argument to that is your disturbance of the forest is way less than would it be if you didn't do it. Like, if you guys didn't build those trails and Mike and I went on our own with our own bobcat, we would do a lot more damage than what you guys are doing. Well, and the, the reality is, is that on, say, the north side of Fork Run, where the new communities are going up on top of Bush Mountain, those folks are going to use Fork Run, right? And oh, so yeah. if they don't have a way, a trail to use Fork Run, because the property lines are adjacent, they're going to create their own. So that's one of the reasons that we sought these funds, is to create a new trailhead on that side, on Adventure Way Road, to give people one place to go in and out in an effort to tamp that down. I'm excited for you guys to build those trails, yeah. um, or I'm excited for people to start using Fork Run. 
Fork Run, if you're listening to this show, you should go there. Fork Run's beautiful. It's uh, There's areas that are hard. There's areas that are easy. You guys have a mark. There's a map that tells you where to go when you get there. It just amazes me so many people still don't know about yes, it. Yes, I was going to say, so for the listener, if you're not familiar with Fork Run, it's on Shingle Camp Road. It now is, you know, buddied up to kind of like the Biltmore community. It's close to Lodestone Golf Course. Boys Run. Yeah, and you would go past it to get to Swallow Falls if you're going up over the mountain. Um, and it connects to Oakland Sing Run. So if you've never been to Fork Run, it's kind of just behind, like, the lake area in Wisp. And, and in yeah. your group's credit, it's not easy to find. It's not very conspicuous. I mean, there's the— You wouldn't, like, normally drive by it, right? Yeah, the, right. it's not where you'd normally drive by, and the entrance is, uh, I don't know how you describe it, two great big logs with a log on top that says Fork Run. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> a, it's very not disturbing. If, if you don't know— you might think it's somebody's driveway or something right. like that. But if you see a sign called Fork Run, pull in there and look for the maps. It, it's great that it's so close to McHenry, too. Oh, dude. You know, so it's, like, it's so like it's very rugged. You feel like you're out there. You but know what I mean? Two miles from where we're sitting now? It's not yeah. Far. yeah. Not very far. It's yeah. McHenry zip code, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, with 10 miles of trail in Fork Run, there's plenty of places to branch out and explore. Uh, certain miles of those are across the creek. And so we sent, we tend to see less traffic over there. So, again, by putting a trailhead on that side, we can get people to use those trails over there more. There's a lot of great developments that are going to happen in Fork Run in the next year or two. We've already got funding secured for new signage. That's one of the complaints that we've gotten over the years is that the sign, it's a top, topo map. If you're not really familiar with it, it's hard to tell where you are. Yeah. <laughs> I sit in the parking lot and I watch people go up to signs and I, I kind of count how long they're there for. Uh, about 30 seconds is your max and then Maybe, they just kind of uh, turn we'll around and go. walk a direction. <laughs> they might be like me. I just genuinely love maps. Like, You've got to tell them your story about the first time you went to uh, Fort Run. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I worked with NLP. Right. So we were developing the properties up there and uh, my buddy Steve Wolford, who was managing the office at the time, was like, you got to get out to Fork Run. Our property adjoins it and uh, you got to learn it. So I'm out there and I'm looking at this map. I'm like, sweet. And I've never really been out hiking before. Right. Not like that. Um, he moved here from Philly. In case yeah. You know. right, right. So I'm, I'm like, all right, sweet. And I'm like walking down the trail. And then I see a sign that's like, you are in the back country. Right. You, if you get hurt, <laughs> no one is coming to save you. No, it was like, but it was, you know, long, but it said something about bear. And I just like turned around and went right back. I was like, well, yep, he's talking to me. And, yeah. uh, you know, I better be careful. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean. That's the thrill. I think it's great. And yeah. it probably tells you if you shouldn't be there, you should turn around. I went back and told Steve, and he was like, Mm-mm. He put his arm around me. We got in his car. We went back out there. He was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't tell anybody this story. <laughs> you know, and, and when that, that sign went in, there's um, two of them, actually. It's to try and set a reasonable expectation for mm-hmm. people at that yeah. point. It's legit. Like, after it's that, makes it gets, sense. You, yeah. you need to. Be but the good, but the good thing show. is, is literally, if you for some reason, I mean, if you get lost somehow, and you just walk in any direction, you know what I mean. If you hit water, you follow the water out to the road. Stay on go, the trail and head up. Well, that's true too, of course. But yeah, Fork Run is one of the few places you could do that. Although I have had people yeah. put on Google reviews that they got lost on the Green Trail, and jogged Hoy's Run Road. Oh my gosh! Up to uh, Oakland Sang Run Road up the hill. To get their car, so they might because there's not much cell phone service back there. There's I mean, not. You might get a text <laughs> message a good out. Point. So, Maybe. On that side right. Of the creek. So good news with new funding, we have the opportunity to put all new signage in the tra- at the trailheads. Yeah. All right. Ooh, can you put a little cell tower? Uh, no cell tower, but we'll have <laughs> signage back in Fork Run that also is a "You Are Here" type signage. So when you get to the bridge, gotcha. You'll see where you are. You'll have an idea of how many miles you'd have to do to keep going and things like that. The only thing I always think too is don't do it if it's getting dark. You're you're gonna be fine until it gets dark. If you get stuff cracking up at dark, uh, 
Be ready to sleep against the tree. And <laughs> if you go into the woods, bring a backpack and make sure there's a headlamp in there. Yes. At all times. Yeah. There's certain things that you should always have on you when you go in the woods. Well, this okay. is a good question. Have you been lost? Oh, I know the answer to this. <laughs> have I been lost? I, yes. It sucks. I've been lost for it, too. It's, it's a weird feeling. I'm trying to recall if I've been lost in Garrett County. I, I don't know that I've ever felt lost in Garrett County. Aww. Um, and I get to some <laughs> I get to some pretty far no, out I mean, places. Like, that's like a cute thing about home. Like you always oh, feel yeah, at yeah. home oh, and not yeah, lost. Yeah. All right, nobody got it. That's fine. Somebody no, listening will get it. <laughs> <laughs> but there are places I've been around the country, uh, particularly in the Southwest, where I've stopped because I've recognized that I have no clue where I'm at currently. And that's a very disconcerting feeling. I got lost here once at Vindex. We were down there riding four-wheelers, and, uh, man, I got separated from the group, and it was getting dark, and I had maybe, I don't know, an ounce of gas left. Right. And uh, I was at the point, I was like, well, I guess we're going to sleep outside. And uh, it was Noel and I. And then, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, it was, like, really lucky. Chad Montgomery goes riding right by. I was like, hey, wait. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> I was I was so lost. But, I mean, it can happen. And there was yeah. no cell phone service, and uh, I guess you're just going to be ready for it. Yeah, and again, I encourage people before they go out to go to our trail page, kind of get an idea of the trail description they're going to hit. Um, everywhere in Garrett County is bear country. Yeah. And we do have poisonous snakes in the county, which are very elusive, very difficult to see, but they are there. Fork Run particularly, you know, I've seen a lot of bears with cubs back there in the springtime. So it's true there's never actually been a bear attack, right? I've uh, never heard of one. There, there's a, I do feel like there was a website or something. Um, from everything I remember, Kristen, maybe Google it later, but uh, I don't think a bear in Gare County has ever attacked a human. I, no. I do remember a story of a lady. I don't know if this is true or not. It was an interesting story. <laughs> a lady was uh, living in Sky Valley or somewhere, and uh, her doorbell rang. And whenever she opened the door, it was a bear accidentally oh pushed on. She fell back and hit her head, and the bear caused the the bear technically oh caused God. the incident, but the bear didn't actually attack her. Right. Like I think if I remember the story right, she had a bird feeder hanging above her door, so the bear was eating it, and his right. paw hit the the doorbell, and she opened it and fell back and hit her head. <laughs> to, from from my understanding, that's the only bear attack in Garrett. Okay. Bear adjacent attack. But how cute. Is that you like open your door and the bear just rang the bell by accident? Well, it's cute until he's 350 pounds and looking at you. <laughs> but you're like, who's there? Now, with that bear. said, if you see a cub, do not try to pet him. Don't yeah. be the first. No, I've know. had him pop jaws at me. I've had him huff at me. I've had Ooh. him put their head down and sway. Have you been followed? Uh, by a black bear? No. In fact, I mean, I've seen dozens and dozens and dozens and mostly what you see is their back end. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's trying to get out of the way. They don't yeah. want to be. Yeah. I remember the first time Mandy saw a black bear was when we were down on the property. We lived on Deep Creek Drive. And we're coming down the hill. And I got, like, big time man points because we came down. And, I, and there's a... You didn't scream? No, no, no. <laughs> I did scream. But what I said was, so we're coming down the hill. And Mandy's like, oh, my God, what is that? And it's, I mean, it was probably a 300-pound, you know, 350-pound black big. bear. And I just, I just, I was like, I got this. And I rolled down the window. I was like, hey, bear, get out of here, bear. You know, and she was like, oh, my God, Mike, you're such a big man. You were in a car. <laughs> right. Yeah, when we were, we, I had. If I wasn't, I'd be like, no, just The kidding. bear can't run 60 miles an hour. Just hit the gas. Although this one time, because in that same, we was lakefront. So yeah. I would get out and kayak. Oh, yeah, that'd be weird. And the bear was on the other side. On So I'm on Deep Creek Drive. Bear was on the Marsh Hill side. And it gets in the water, right? And it starts swimming towards me, and I'm in the middle. So I'm like, I hope I can paddle faster than this bear can swim. No. I mean, it was coming right 
at me. No, man. he's gonna get you. He'll catch he, you. <laughs> well, he did. I made it back in time, and he, you know, okay, but you get on way. shore, and then he chases but you. But I'm just, uh, yeah. He didn't want to have anything to do right. with me. He didn't want to have anything. He just he was, was just like, I was in his way. It was in my head. Because, like, Ryan. he just wants free trash, you know. So. And that's that's the ones that I've encountered that have made the, you know, the jaw popping. I have obstructed their path without knowing it. Yeah. You know, we've come around a corner. Caught them off guard. Something like that. And they're making it very obvious that I'm the one that needs to move. So just look down. Don't make eye contact. Back away slowly. That kind of thing. And Fork Run, I did consider one time getting under my wheelbarrow. Uh, which I don't know that getting under a wheelbarrow would help, but I I was just pushing if it. it comes well, down thanks to it. for sharing that. Yeah. Well, I, was, I was pushing it through the forest. I had a shovel in my hand and I don't whack it with a shovel. So I got under a wheelbarrow. But. So a mother with cubs came off of Shingle Camp Road and crossed right in front of me, and so I started making a lot of noise as soon as I saw it. So it didn't it surprise it, and it immediately did what a black bear does in that situation. It starts swaying its head. It gets kind of aggressive. And I, I wasn't impeding them at all, but I, I definitely was looking at the shovel and I was looking at the wheelbarrow. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know, this still doesn't add up. Right? Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Please yeah, don't like hurt this me. isn't going to help. Put the the shovel's... cubs in the wheelbarrow, pushing towards the mom. <laughs> Here's an offering. Right. Right. So tell me if this isn't true. Every time I see a bear, I'm always like, what's that dog doing here? And then I'm like, oh, no, that's a bear. Oh. Like, every time I see a bear, I think it's a dog at first, and I realize 100%. it's a bear. 100%. Yeah, especially and, in the springtime. Every and normally, time. bears mess, mess with you way less than dogs do. I would maybe, yeah. I'd normally rather walk up on a bear than a dog. I would, too. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Um, hey, have you seen anything else? So, Krista and I were talking. Um, there's also rumors that there are panthers here. Yeah, mountain Have you ever lions. ran into one? So, I've never come across the mountain lion. Is I'm, there a difference between a panther and a mountain lion? Is that the same uh, animal? Same, I believe it's the same species. It's a big Just, cat. You would, you know, use the different one word, is the different opposite area. of albino. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never encountered one. Certainly, I've had relatives, lifelong hunters in Gary County that you know have encountered them. Um, I don't believe there's an official stance on them. Yeah, that they're here. Or not. Well, there is. Uh, National Geographic says they're extinct. So. <laughs> What? Go. Yeah. Who knows? We're gonna, but we're not you, extinct. We're gonna know, fact check but, that. I mean, that's oh, you go, go on. When you when you when <laughs> you they look, might be endangered. They're not extinct. In, People in, are out west. In Mid Atlantic. Sorry. Oh, in the mid. Okay, yeah, yeah. so you in, need to say in things, Appalachia. You need sorry. to say things like I that. I apologize. So nowadays, with their iPhones, they're going to get one on camera before long. If they exist, Seriously? somebody's going to get one on camera before long. Well, there's trail cams, trail cams and hunting cams. Yeah. Okay. If they're out there, we will know soon. I, have you seen a porcupine? Because I love porcupines. I would have one as a pet I tomorrow. Right. What? But He's you, you don't, you don't see them in Garrett County as often. Cool. Like, you see them in Savage River. But, like, as soon as you go into Pennsylvania, especially, like, upstate PA, they're everywhere. They're on the side of the road. Like, you see porcupines everywhere, and I'm so jealous because they're so freaking cute with their little noses. I'm just picturing and you hiding under a wheelbarrow from a porcupine. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, I've just not been lucky enough to see one in Garrett County. Yeah. And I've never seen a live one. Same, just on the side oh. of the road. And I've only seen in my whole lifetime two. Um, one just outside of accident the other day, the other week, and then one up really? on Blue Weekend wow. Mountain. Yeah, it's the only time I've ever seen it. Yeah, I know. But so not I've, alive. Not alive. Somebody no, no. shared a video not that long ago, and they were like down near Savage River, and they shared a video of a porcupine, and I, they're there. Like, it, yeah. there's animals here you have no idea, but you'll you never ran see. ran over him, would it pop your tire? I, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> We're holding that. We're holding that to the record. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody hit that porcupine. I wonder what they're tired. That's about. a good point. It's like you should have seen it. If he tire. was dead on the road, <laughs> they probably were like that. That's a big rabbit. My God. Yeah, I mean, growing up here, I've seen. I've I see more 
wildlife now than ever before. Yeah. Well, you're outside a lot. Well, I grew up hunting. I mean, okay. I grew up, um, we were kicked out the door and into the forest, and particularly in the summertime. And, you know, I don't recall ever seeing a bald eagle in McHenry Cove until several years ago. Yeah. You'd have to go to the south end of the lake to see that. And I try to reconcile that in my own mind. It's, it's built up. It's more developed. And now there's bald eagles hunting in yeah. the cove. Um, yeah, get out there. You'll see things. Do you it have a theory? Why, why would that be? I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe because they're protected. Maybe. There's probably more bald eagles now than there Yeah, was maybe. Maybe we're still point. less populated than other places. Right. Oh, good point. Maybe the fishing is so good at Deep Creek. They're mm. like, I was watching TV. And I go. saw that there's giant pike and all the bald eagles tell each other and then they all fly down here. There's a there's a field near <laughs> wow. my house, and um, I've seen a bald eagle. I'm assuming it's the same one. And then in that field, four or five times, it'll right. fly down and eat deer and stuff like that. Uh, dead deer, obviously. But uh, um, no, I've seen him. <laughs> I've, I've never seen one in his nest there, but I've seen him just sitting there chilling. Yeah. And it's always cool. And you'll notice if you're if you're ever in Garrett County and there's no reason for somebody who stopped on a road, pay attention why they're stopped because they're probably taking a picture of something. <laughs> something cool. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a bear. There's an eagle. Yeah. Yeah, somebody gets I, out I, of the car to take don't a picture. Blow your horn and drive oh, by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many yeah. people get out of their car to take pictures of bears. Yeah. <laughs> I whistled at one, Mike, but I was like, you, I was in my truck and I knew I was going to be fine. <laughs> He was a big boy, too, and he was sitting there, and he was eating his watermelon. And I've got a picture of it on my phone. I mean, he was just, uh, uh, was when that, what was the one song? Uh, it was a song about watermelon a couple years ago. It was super yeah, popular. Yeah, Watermelon Sugar High. Yeah, it was like yeah, yeah. Watermelon Sugar High was popular at the time. <laughs> and uh, he was just sitting there eating this up, this actually near Fork Run. And I was just whistled at him and started singing Watermelon Sugar High to him, and he could have cared less. It was, it was he's cool. Like, he was he's just, like, but if you were <laughs> if you were Harry Styles, he would have stopped um, dead. I mean, Harry Styles would appreciate the way I was singing. I was, it's on video if you want to see it. Hey, we got you on camera singing. You're not bad, John. Was it was it Saturday? No, it was oh, no. Okay, no, 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 no. It was. You uh, sang Old Town Road that one time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> did you nail it? I don't. He know. did. It was. I don't bad. know. <laughs> I was doing I was doing pretty good at the party uh, Saturday, and I, I didn't pass too far where I shouldn't have gone. But uh, Russell was definitely buying me 15-year whistle pig shots, Ooh. drinks. Uh-huh. They were really good. <laughs> um, I remember I hit around four, and I was like, man, I probably got one more of me in this. And I hit about five drinks, and that was, that was about all I needed. But that was a good time. So, no, I, I didn't sing Saturday. I watched them bring that bottle out new, and I watched them put it away empty. <laughs> the, the 15-year-old whistle pig? Um, you guys crushed it. Russell, at the end of the night, told me what, what, how special of a gift that was to me. I didn't, again, I didn't realize how cool I was. <laughs> Thank you, Russell. That was very, uh, very amazing drinks. Yeah. And if you haven't been to Pond Run since they reopened. Yes. Have you been to Pond Run? Well, we were just talking about that. Yeah, I was yeah. actually there last night for a friend's birthday party. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. It's it's. It's a fun new place to go. Yep. So speaking of hunting season, uh, didn't you used to go there the first uh, Thursday after hunting season opened all the time? Who, Pond Run? Yeah. That would have been probably a little bit before my time <laughs> going there. You know, I remember the old <laughs> Pond Run, um, but... This is days, years and years and years ago. They used to have strippers in the night after hunting season opened. You didn't know this? I've heard these stories, and yeah. I've heard of other hunting cabins around the area that have similar activities. Yeah, we're going to tiger claw <laughs> on the details, but uh, okay. I will confirm it is true. <laughs> it is true. Not anymore. Hey. Those days are over. <laughs> yep, much different. Wow. So uh, you, uh, you've you kind of spent your life outside, and this, this job pretty much... Uh, I don't know if you say you fell into it or what, or if it was a calling, but uh, it sounds like it was the perfect job for you. I, I enjoy it. You know, I was uh, I graduated from West Virginia University in 2018 with a geoscience degree. Let's I'd, go. Wow. Yeah, I'd gone back to school to finish up some stuff, and 
Uh, the market wasn't great for jobs, um, so I'm able to paint for myself. So I went back to Utah for about nine months and was just rafting and volunteering and painting in Utah. And then I got a phone call from Garrett Trails saying, we're going to have a position open. Are you interested to come back and interview? And so I came back and interviewed and got the position, and I love it. Um, I love seeing people get outside. Yeah. And I love seeing them have the resources available to do that, particularly as we try to put more attention towards people with adaptive needs, people with disabilities. You know, I, I sit in parking lots and I just watch activities, how people move around a parking lot, what, what might their needs be. And one thing I don't see is a lot of adaptive rec users. And so we're working hard to change that. In Fork Run, we have funding in place to do a one-mile gravel trail on top right out of the parking lot. So already using the red and yellow existing trails, but they'll be widened. They'll be uh, packed gravel or uh, some type of natural surface so that an all-terrain wheelchair um, oh, people with, with okay. yeah, people with limited mobility, but they still want to walk in the woods. Gotcha. That's really cool. They can use that. Now, that'll all go through the county. That'll all go through county reviews as well as public comment before any development happens. But I was really proud of that to work with the county and get that money in place that we can do that. Um, we were able to secure a grant from the Tucker Community Foundation in Tucker County to get an all-terrain wheelchair. Oh, very um, cool. It's a great wheelchair. We have it up on our Facebook page. We just donated it to the Deep Creek Lions Club. Okay. Because they have an adaptive skiing program in place. Yeah. They take care of the Meshack Browning Trail System in McHenry, which is also county property. And they're trying to develop some of that into a more uh, disabled-friendly park. So So if you come here on vacation and you're in a wheelchair and you want to go on these trails, you can contact the Lions Club and they'll rent you or let you borrow whatever all-terrain wheelchair? Yeah. So basically what we're trying with now is sort of a soft pilot program. So if they contact us, I'll call the Lions Club and we'll work together to get you over there to try the chair. Yeah. Um, Whether that becomes something bigger in the future, I couldn't say. You know, it really depends on their resources. Really neat idea. Yeah. But people will travel hundreds of miles to see. It's called the Grit Freedom Chair. Wow. Um, it's, you propel it with, uh, a gear reduction arm handles yeah. and steer it that way. And people travel hundreds and hundreds of miles to try one <laughs> to, see really if, cool. to see if they want to purchase one. So in some way it also is drawing oh. people into our County that might not come here, Yeah, you know, so we're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing for access for people of different abilities. Are there other trails already that are kind of accessible, like handicap friendly? Certainly within state parks. Okay. You know, you're going to find that within the state parks where the trails don't have a lot of pitch to them right out of the park office and things like that. Town trails. Oakland has a great town trail system. Um, oh, yeah. The one that goes to the glades from the park is super nice. Yeah. You know, it's uh, great. And then um, Accident. I love Accident's town trail system. It's very small, but it's a really nice place to go out and just spend some time walking around their loop. Friendsville's Community Park also has paved loops around it as well as the roads that park blows my mind yeah it's phenomenal yeah 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 everyone you know that was all i would imagine county and town working together to make that happen years ago you know we grew up playing little league behind the elementary school you know ball field there and so to see the kids now have these multiple ball fields and places where they can do that stuff but you know you say okay so you can take your wheelchair to this place is that really serving your need though Or are we just giving you the best option we can give you? Right. Absolutely. You know, it's about taking that idea and flipping it and saying, no, you're going to be served first. We're going to make sure that you have a place to park. We're going to make sure that you have a place to take uh, someone. Like I had a woman call me recently saying. I'm very glad you guys think about this. I would have never thought about it. That's great. Yeah. We had a woman call recently and she inquired. She has a daughter with CP and she has her in in an adult stroller. Okay. Okay. So where can she go? You know, so I was able to direct her to some places. We start with some town trails. I told her in Kitzmiller, the river walk is absolutely beautiful, particularly in the fall. Walks right along the Potomac River from town. It's paved. 
goes over to the old elementary school and has an arboretum path. So she can spend some time there. And, you know, we want to help towns create more of that. I've noticed a lot of the billboards around recently have changed to advertising the Kitzmiller trails and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I think a lot of people, obviously everybody knows about Deep Creek, okay? Right. They don't know about the river path in Kitzmiller. Right. They don't know about the trail down in Friendsville. They don't even know about Fork Run. So right. I did notice, I guess, the county or the states behind you guys advertising that some, and it is on billboards and is getting some more attention. Yeah, and so I believe that most of the, um, that marketing campaign is going through the chamber okay, and possibly the Mountain Maryland uh, Gateway to the West Heritage Area which I'm a board member on. Garrett Trails doesn't do any advertising like that. We pr- we try to put most of our marketing money behind Facebook ad programs yeah. because we're one staff member and we're able to hire a Facebook contractor that gets us out in front of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. That's sort of where we focus. But yeah, there's a big push. And with you know COVID coming and everyone being affected by it, even towns are saying, wait a minute, maybe we never thought of ourselves as a trail destination. That doesn't mean that they can't. It, yeah. It's cool that you have a history of Park City too, and uh, I think it is Park City. Um, isn't isn't Park City the the town that their motto is "You will always be within one mile of a trail"? I've heard that that's how they sort of do their transportation planning there. Yeah, how cool is that? And yeah. that's kind of where uh, um, I have to Google it and make sure I'm right. But uh, in in Park <laughs> City, uh, no matter where you live, you're going to be within a mile of a trailhead, right. and they they've actually realized how important that is to growth and heritage and kids and being outdoors and. I don't know. We have a long way to go to get there, but you're definitely taking a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, we remember or, uh, when we sat down and we were, we were talking the other day, I told you I wanted to hit every trail right. in Garrett County. And you're like, well, let me just show you what that looks <laughs> That's like. That's my right. next question. So How do, many are there? Yeah, what is it? Or, or do you have an idea? Is there a way to narrow it down where you can answer the question, like, how many miles of trail? I'm just going to say hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah, yeah hundreds. Yeah. Um, on our webpage, there's a tab called the ultimate Gare County adventure map. And this was developed by a local named Chris Nichols. Oh, I've seen it. It's really cool. Okay. Yeah, he's actually our point of contact with the Lions club. He's a member okay. of the club and a cart- cartographer. So he did a Google open source map that anyone can go to fishing points of interest trails. And I mean, he listed every possible piece of trail that you could think of. So go to garretrails.org, go up to the trail button and you'll see ultimate Garrett County adventure map. We also give those away. He was kind enough to donate, uh, some of those to us, like when we, Garrett Trails volunteered at the Dragon Boat Festival this year. Yeah. And yeah. we were able to take his donation and include it in gift baskets there, you know, for, for people to see his trail maps. So That's pretty cool. Yeah. Really cool. How close are we to uh, connecting into the, the Gap Trail? It's still a long ways off, you know. So for, if people don't know that what we've been working on for years is called the Eastern Continental Divide Loop, ECDL. And that is to connect Garrett County to the Gap Trail, the Great Allegheny Passage in Pennsylvania. And that goes that that goes from Pittsburgh to right, DC, all the way down. It connects in with the CNO Canal, and then goes all the way down to DC. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And so, the goal has been to connect Garrett County to that trail by trail, and that would be done in Myersdale, so north of Grantsville, and Confluence, north of Friendsville, because Gap goes through both of those. Yeah. So right now, to answer your question, the trail effectively starts at Chestnut Ridge in Grantsville, which is I-68. So there's no plan, there's no real idea yet of how you go from there north to Myersdale yet. And we don't really focus on that too much because there's a lot of highway construction that's But you done. can get from here to Grantsville? You can get from Route 495 to Grantsville currently. And that's the Meadow Mountain Trail? The Meadow Mountain Trail. Okay. Yeah, which is where the Eastern Continental Divide is. It's on Meadow Mountain. Oh, okay. And so that's the name for the trail loop. And so it's a loose idea where you say, okay, we've got the Meadow Mountain Trail built out for about 12 miles. 
down to 495? Can we connect it to Deep Creek State Park somehow? Um, that may be a possibility. What's the what's the way to get there now? Because I know there, you have to cross a couple roads. Okay. And once you get to 495 on the Meadow Mountain Trail, it's effectively ended. Ended. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And I don't recommend hiking or walking 495 to get no. to the state park. There's <laughs> no. no shoulder. But then, you know, so you do it in pieces. You say, okay, what can we connect now that hopefully the gaps can be filled in later? Um, the town of Oakland, we've been working with them as well as some private property owners to see if we can connect Oakland to Harrington Manor. Very cool. Right. That would be great. But it's that's only... one thing that really slows you guys down, like finding the property to put the trails on, because obviously the, mm-hmm. you've got to find landowners who are willing to do it. It becomes just a matter of um, reaching out to people, to the landowners, seeing if they're interested, yeah. meeting with them, because at the end of the day, the characteristics of the trail across their property have to suit them. And we're fortunate that people are more forward-thinking these days than in the past. In the past, people would think a trail it brings crime, litter, whatever the case may be, whatever people just happen to bring with them. Sure. But over the years, what we've discovered is is that well-used trails, well-maintained trails, you see all that go away. You see less litter. You don't see people using it for nefarious reasons. And you have a lot more people using the trail, which they become your sort of on-the-ground caretakers. And most of those people are going to pick up a piece of trash. If you're that type of person, Mm -hmm. you're going to sit and pick it up and take it with you. When I I first moved to uh, Friendsville, you know, I heard... People would just be like, "Oh, the Kendall Trail. Right. The Kendall Trail looks great, pretty much all the time." I mean, and yeah. maybe that's one of those examples. That, you know, it is. And when I was growing up, it had a bad reputation. Okay. Now, now there might be other people in the area that don't know that reputation or disagree with me, but in general, uh, the Kendall Trail, you know, don't go all the way to the top in the dark or something. Oh like my that. gosh. <laughs> yeah, but in general, why would you don't really want to go to like any trail in the dark? Well, I mean, I feel like the further the trail, the less likely you are to hike it at dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> good point. But I, but since uh, the town of Friendsville has been behind with the DNR to get the trail parking developed there for Kendall, as well as some remediation on it, the trail gets more use. Um, I hike it several times a year. I've loved it hiking it since I was a kid, and you just don't see those issues. So that's sort of when we work with property owners, we try to allay those fears and say, you know, that that's not an issue anymore. I'm not saying no one will ever drop a piece of trash on your property. Right. But but if there are problems, then we're here to mitigate those problems. At least it's not just a trail through the woods with nobody maintaining it. Right, right. Are the, so are there a lot of – to go from, like, Friendsville down to – like Swallow Falls, mm-hmm. do you have to cross a lot of private property in order to do that, or how does that work? So effectively, to go from Swallow Falls to Friendsville, which would be traveling north on the river, um, River Right at Swallow Falls has a two-mile trail that already goes down it. It's just called the Fisherman's Trail, Swallow Falls Fisherman's Trail, and that ends in the power plant property, the hydroelectric plant property. Okay. So you would need permission from the hydroelectric plant to go up above their plant and then come back down to where Hoy's Run comes into Oakland Sang Run. And I'm going to say all this, hoping maybe some people out there get on their map and look at it. <laughs> and from Hoy's Run... We'll uh, post a picture, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from Hoy's Run, you're now traveling north on Oakland, Sang Run Road. There's plenty of terrain there, which is uh, DNR property. You do come to private property at a certain point, and that's private down to Sang Run State Park. So then it would become a pedestrian trail on Oakland, Sang Run Road for two miles. Now, that's reasonable to look at because it's not a heavy truck traffic road. Right. You know, gotcha. you can work with the county to expand some things, to do some certain changes. Then you can safely put people down there to Sangren State Park. But even that, nothing just happens fast. Like, I mean, you're, you're talking. That's part of the spot that they were earmarking. Right. right? That and, they, and, kind of the, the Yacht Corridor in right. its own thing. Right. But then they also had a tiny section earmarked just to connect Sangren and Swallow Falls. Right. Right. And so okay. you're right. So in the past, so this idea has been around for a long time. 
And when I first came into the position three years ago, I thought, you know, if I live long enough, maybe I'll see pieces. You'll make nine. Would, would, but would, this, nine. Is, <laughs> would that be part of the uh, Eastern, Eastern Continental Divide Loop? loop right. Okay. Oh. Yep. And that would be the part, the leg that takes you, say, from Oakland as your southern pivot point to Friendsville. And then from Friendsville, how do you get to Confluence, Pennsylvania? And so last year, the General Assembly put into the DNR budget $4.7 million. And we gave a cost opinion on the trail from Oakland to Friendsville. The legislatures chose Saul Falls to Friendsville to start with. And uh, they ran that through their assembly legal, went ahead and put the money in. Now, where that will go, we can't say. Right. There's a new DNR secretary that just took office. Um, and first of all, we... we no one ever imagined that you would see $4.7 million be applied to any trail project in Garrett sure, County. It's huge. Um, so there's a lot of groundwork that will have to be done, and that will be done by the DNR. They're the landowner. And so they'll likely hire a, a company to do a feasibility study, an inventory. Because there are things between Sangrun and Friendsville specifically that you want to take care to protect. There are some state and uh, federal endangered species in there, uh, also threatened species. Now, I grew up in there. You know, I grew up in Sangrun, and so... Being in the Yacht Corridor was just commonplace for us. We used to walk from Sangrun to Friendsville or Friendsville to Sangrun after church, you know, which is nine hearty miles. Yeah. We were fortunate back yeah. then to have... You were, you were showing me a picture of like the You're little... You're going like you straight like crawl uphill. Under and back up. Yeah. We were fortunate when I was young to have permission to go across what's called Flying Off Rocks on River Wright. So it's a, it's a logging road goes up to the top of the hill. You can have lunch right back down into Friendsville. Right now between Sangrun and Friendsville, if there's nine to ten miles between those two places, you're looking at maybe eight miles of existing logging road on River Right. Okay. And anyone can go on our website again to the trail page, scroll down. We have types of public land in Garrett County. And because this became such a hot button issue last year, we tried to get information out to say what was actually there. Um, if you were to read a newspaper at the time, you would think that you're walking into a completely pristine protected wilderness. Yeah. It's not the case. Yeah. Now, again, I grew up there. My affinity for this location is unparalleled. But at the same time, there's eight miles of logging road that currently exists. Gotcha. And there's sections of those logging roads that you could, if it was legally allowed, drive your truck on. Gotcha. So what the characteristics of a trail between those locations will look like will ultimately be decided by the DNR's feasibility study, public comment to the DNR, before any of that moves forward. So the state of Maryland is the largest landowner in right. Garrett County, and that land is managed by the Department of Natural Resources. So there's a million channels, and, I mean, you can argue it both ways. The DNR is pretty good to work with mm -hmm. and very conservative. Right. Yeah, we have a great relationship working with the DNR, um, open lines of communication. And, you know, when they, when they look at something like this, they want to say, how can we do it right if we're going to do it? That's the position I believe that they would take first. It seems to be from the last secretary's letter. We've been allocated the funds, but we still have to do due diligence. So I don't expect to see any movement on anything. And this is just my own general supposition from working in this field. I don't expect to see any movement on anything very anytime soon except a feasibility study, which who knows how long that could take. Just dedicating that amount of money to it is great. And then uh, we talked about it in one of the other episodes. Um, development's not easy, and you don't want to do it. If you develop something, no matter what it is, a housing complex mm -hmm. or a trail system, if you do it too fast, you're going to mess up. You know, yeah. So it's just where it seems painstakingly long, how hard can it be to build a trail? It's actually very hard to build the trail right. And uh, yeah. hopefully, I think that's the path you guys are going down. So that, but that $4.7 is that something that's going towards like the Meta Mountain Trail Project? 
that you were talking about earlier? Is it is it divvied up, or is there totally different separate grants? Or it's you know, so that money is is already you know earmarked as Chris has said for um, Swallow Falls to Sangron. Okay, got it. But I'm not an expert in the legalities of how the DNR is allowed to sure, spend yeah. their money. Well, if it's not feasible, they'll move it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I right. could guess, but uh, right. I couldn't we'll, say. We'll, we'll guess, yeah. yeah. But, but you have a lot of different user groups in that canyon. Yeah. And it is important to try and reconcile everything with everyone so it meets the most needs with the least impact. There are already multiple commercial whitewater operations in that canyon. There is at least one commercial guided hiking tour company that operates there. And as far as I've ever been able to tell, they all operate ethically and, and uh, they put a lot of their time into making sure it's protected, that it stays good for people to be there. We have other user groups that want to access to the canyon, um, say people that want to white walk or perhaps bike. They can't do the white water, but they still want to see it. You know, the Gare Trails Board believes strongly that people should have access to the public land that they paid for. Sure. But they should do it safely. Absolutely. And within yeah. reason. I mean, we were talking before we started recording that, you know, a lot of, it's all about sustainability. It's not really just the creation of the trail. It's, it's how are you going to sustain it? How do we keep it, have it be the least impactful on the environment? Yeah. Like there's just so many factors in it because you want it, like John said, you want to develop it. You want to do it right. But then you also want it to like have a lasting impact in a positive way yeah. and not be just like a glaring red, you know, flag on the side of the hill. Well, and there is a heritage to trails in Garrett County in the sense that as I was growing up, I came up in the 80s under some old timers that would talk about walking from Sangren to Friendsville to see family, just as my father taught us to do when we were young. Um, you know, my, my father proposed to my mother on what's called, the rafters call it weight rock which yeah. is where Gap Run comes into the river. We call it Chub Rock, named after the type of fish you typically catch off of it. And he hiked her back there. I mean, it might have been 20 and 19 or something. Uh, it's where he grew up hunting, and he literally hiked her back there one day just to see if she could do it. And when, wow. And when she could, he proposed to so her. So she was afraid oh to gosh. say no. She goes, That's, yes, yes, please don't leave me here. That's like the, uh, the, the locked door trick in a Bronx tale. Well, and she, she, you know, she ended up becoming someone that fell in love with the place as well, um, Still, not, your mom's not from around here? or Originally from Pittsburgh. Oh, her okay. family had a small, you know, back in the 50s and 60s. It uh, started out, I think, as army tents. Yeah. Then it became a mobile home. Then wow. a cabin. That here? Kind of, yeah, right on Lakeshore Drive. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I don't know that story. Yeah, her dad would drive them down from Pittsburgh. He was a wallpaper hanger in his own company. And he would drive nine kids yeah. uh, from Pittsburgh down here. And they would go be in army tents oh, for the week or weekend. That's awesome. She yeah. grew up working at Double G Ranch yeah. in trail rides. Oh, very cool. You know, other aunts worked at uh, Ice Cream, Humberson's Ice Cream, which is where Arch- Archie's is now. Archie's Barbecue <laughs> is now. Cool. So feel feel free to tiger call this, but I feel like you'd be amazing, after just sitting down and talking with you the other day, who would be a fantastic historian of this area. But you had mentioned, and feel free to either say, hey, don't bring this up, I'll cut it out, right. or put a plug in you had mentioned people who are actively like throwing away old signs <laughs> yeah. and things like that. And you would, you, you'd send to me like, Hey, look, you know, I would love to have them yeah. and kind of make a somewhat of a museum someday. It's, it's been this fanciful idea I've had in my head for years. Um, growing up in the nineties, this development really picked up pace in Deep Creek Lake. What you saw were a lot of hand built, hand lettered signs, yeah. uh, particularly coming out of Oakland um, deer park signs. Yeah. And, you know, the craftsmanship behind these are so beautiful. In fact, we still have some in the gleanings that I see them go as things change over time, which they naturally do, go in dumpsters or things of that nature. And I just think it means nothing to anyone else, but 
I would love to have that. No, it'd be super cool to have. <laughs> you know. uh, if I find one, I'll send you a picture, but I'm keeping it. <laughs> I, I have we were my family's business was contracted to take down the panoramic motel which okay. is where the college dorms are now sure years a lot of people don't ago. know that honestly if you bring yeah. it up for us good yeah year, years and years ago and while we were there taking it down um i found a hundred dollar bill behind the checking counter which was nice okay wow um and then i also took on the outside of the the hotel they had these hand cut signs of skiers so hand cut out of plywood and hand painted nothing spectacular but I made sure that they went with me, and they've been in my garage ever since. Just because I like seeing them. Maybe I'm, I guess this is getting older, too. <laughs> I, you like seeing the things from your you. youth a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. Yeah. And, and something we discussed is that, you know, uh, businesses in this area are, are such a huge part of the culture around here. I mean, because we've always had people coming in and then figuring out how to serve the needs of the people who come here. And then also the locals, too. Right. I mean, because some of the, you know, the the harder times of the year where it's, you know, the winter time and things like that, where it's difficult to just get around, mm-hmm. you know, it's it just it, it, it means a lot, says a lot about the area and to be able to have something like that. You know, and you were mentioned you had an idea, which is kind of get them all together where people could could see them. And I thought that I was like, that sounds like a museum. And you were like, well, it's my you know, it's, it's my, my basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of one of those retirement ideas you have where you go. Maybe it's great. When I have nothing else to do, I'll build a pole building <laughs> and sit there every Saturday and Sunday from nine to one. <laughs> people forget, take two dollars. Like until you just brought it up, I totally forgot about the Panoramic Motel. I've uh, never, I've never heard of it. That was yeah. totally uh, brand new information. What, what is that? It? Would, where the college, where Garrett College dorms are, yeah. there was a hotel there called the Panoramic Hotel, and I remember being in there. Maybe twenty rooms or something. Maybe twenty rooms. It was a single level uh, motel, really popular with people just coming up for a night or a day to ski. Wow, quick easy place. Who to owned stay. it? Do you know? That I can't remember. So hopefully someone listening here will remember. And it's where the dorms are, not the college, but the dorms. Approximately where yeah, the okay. dorms or cart is. I'd, I'd have to look. Yeah. At what year photo. did it come down? I think we demoed that in 2004 or five. Oh, cool. That's okay. a guess. Yeah. Hey, so do you remember uh, next to the old Tips Up building, mm-hmm. there was this place called Beowulf's. Yeah. And I remember Beowulf's being like this half-defunct building with yep. a really cool sign on it that said, like, Beowulf's Magic Shop or something, right? So I'm told it was it was defunct. I mean, it might have been open when I was a small kid. Okay. But by the time I was really aware of it, to ask questions, it wasn't open anymore. It was sort of falling in, but it did. It had this sort of Viking Beowulf theme cool. to the sign, you know. <laughs> Where was yeah. it? Um, it's right, if you go, it's the corner of uh, Deep Creek Drive and um, Sang Run. Oh. Well, that sign's now in the lower level of Uno's. It's pretty cool. It oh, re- really? Is it really? Uh, yeah. Um, because I've wondered for years. <laughs> I wondered for years if, if it was salvaged, but yeah, I'm told I'm that pretty it was sure a, that's on the lower level. Who knows? That's all I, that's <laughs> we'll find out at the dunk. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I was told, to, if I remember correctly, it was a leather apparel shop. I thought it was a magic shop. What? Well, so I'm hopeful well, they're someone, the same thing, John. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm hopeful that someone that uh, is maybe older than me or remembers it better can can say whether or not that's true. I really hope it is like because I biker could, leather. I just or can't think of a more unlikely Let place us know. to have a leather apparel <laughs> shop than Deep Creek Lake in 1980. Where are you going to get your chaps? Beowulf's yeah. at Deep Creek. Right, <laughs> man. If they got, if you got good chaps, you got good chaps. People will come for miles. Yeah, good chaps. That's kind of the point of this. Like we've heard a couple stories like that, and and you do people forget. Like yeah. if anything, hopefully this documents some of that stuff. But even sure. the cut through there at the intersection of Deep Creek Drive and Sang Run Road. As I was a kid, you couldn't get to 219. You, you drove, yeah, and when you, you hit Deep Creek that, Drive, yeah. you're just wild. looking at a giant wall of grass, yeah. a big hillside from when they built the highway. 
You had to go left up towards Lakeview to get on the highway, or you had to go right. I think you'd have to go all the way right to um, the cove to like get up the Deep Creek Drive part or the part up to the, where Monster hits. And you know, so I remember them digging that out. And just, and we were everyone was amazed that you could just go right through right to two nineteen. Oh my god, where uh, incredible! Where our main office is, where the Chamber of Commerce is, and kind of Green Turtle, um, that used to be a big hill. Big berm, that, yeah. No, nobody remembers that being a big hill, but it was that was the hill you're talking about. Yeah, I don't, I'll look for some photos. I have. I don't want to say where I found them, just because I don't want people to flood this little particular office. But <laughs> but there is an, an office here in McHenry that has photos taken of McHenry Cove from an airplane, probably in the early 80s yeah multiple multiple photos you can see uh where george collins put in the beverage shop yeah you can see yep you can see where the first putting in the road uh which that plaza for us growing up at sangaran mchenry plaza my greatest dream in the world was that they finally put a sidewalk from mchenry plaza to sangaran so i could ride my bike out there (laughs) (laughs) hey it's the little things yeah well huge actually right i'll I'll dig those photos out though and share them with you guys i don't know what you put on oh that'd be so cool seeing them they, uh, not to bounce backwards too sure. much, but you said something a minute ago that was really, really cool, and a lot of people forget this. As a resident of the state of Maryland, those grounds you're talking about, the land you're talking about, is ours. And right. people forget that, and that was kind of one of the things that makes your job happy, because uh, or hard, that makes your job hard. <laughs> there, there are so many of us, and how do you figure out the right thing to do for everyone? But uh, people right. forget that. Where I say Maryland is the largest landowner in the county. That's, that's our heritage. That's what we get to use as residents. Obviously, visitors can use it too. But that's one of the things that makes your project so hard to figure out. Yeah. How do you appease everyone? Yeah. Well, and that was one of the, the motivations for Senator Edwards, as he described it to me at the time, to ask us for information about it, was that for decades he sat on those committees that determined whether or not land would be bought. And my understanding from him, that he generally wasn't too much in favor of it unless we found a way for people to use it. Gotcha. And that was his premise to me, at least. There's no point in owning land that nobody's going to go there. Right. We need to have some purpose right. with it. And, you know, I spend a lot well, of for time... for the survival of the population <laughs> of the locals. I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. You well, know, there's got to be a reason for people to come here yeah. and, for lack of a better word, spend money, right? I mean, to, yeah. to, to enjoy the area. Well, we've talked about it before. Like, I'll notice, we've talked about before, when we get in funks and we just kind of are, you know, in our normal daily life routine funk... That's when those things come in handy for us. We're living here, you know. Right. Like you've got yeah. to remind yourself, oh, I need to go out hiking this afternoon. I need to do whatever. Hey, before we run out of time, you've got to talk about e-bikes. Um, <laughs> so, so you've mentioned that all these trails are um, non-motorized trails. Right. E-bikes are a new reality, they are. Um, and e-bikes are nasty. Like uh, not na- nasty in a good way. Are like, they fun. considered motorized? That's my question. So there's no um, the only. Well, there's agency, different classes. Yeah, of, the only agency uh, in the okay. county that has a, a solid policy on it is state parks. So Maryland state parks, as far as I know, still don't allow e-bikes, period. Okay. okay. County property has never really been an issue. Fork Run, I see e-bikes in Fork Run. Um, we're really, you know, you hope that people don't abuse being able to use something like that by bringing in a full throttle bike. So even tell tell the okay. listener there's there's different classes to right. mountain biking now there's there's a pedal bike that's right. all human energy then there is an assisted e-bike that assists you to pedal like say you're going up a hard right. mountain you need an assist but you're not going to go but so fast and then there's class whatever that's just wide open you can go 40 miles an hour without pedaling at all those yeah. are the types of e-bikes you use in DC right. not uh, in a state park the first time I got on one I was like there's no way this is going to be fun it was amazing. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> they are a lot of fun, but they are a little like you, you 
you kind of lose control quick if you have never ridden one before. Well, your your real thing, and where I'm leading into this, because I, I I don't know what your solution is going to be to this. If you're in the if you're at Fork Run and you're in the back mountains, you get a single track, okay. Right. And say I'm at the top of hill and I'm coming down. I can go 20 or 30 miles an hour because I'm going downhill. On a regular bike, say Mike's coming up, he's going to be going two or three miles an hour. He's coming up. We have time to avoid each other. Right. We have time to do whatever. Mm-hmm. If I'm coming down at 20 or 30 miles an hour and Mike's going up at 20 or 30 miles an hour in a single track, get some issues. Right. You know, uh, so I, I don't know. Um, so far, guys. I've not seen a full throttle and fork run, which there may be someone taking them back You wouldn't there. be able to catch up with them. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and not having an official policy yet in that recreation area. When they're so quiet. It's, it's mostly about talking to, to someone and saying, yeah. listen, you have to look at the trail like this year. Yeah. Right. And we have people that come to us and say, you know, Josh, e-bikes have extended my athletic life. Uh, I think they're great. Right. Like, okay, so it will allow you when you're 70 years old right. to go out with your 22-year-old grandson and Can keep up. Can you do, like, yeah. like crawl over rocks and, like, everything? Or Just it's imagine, mostly for flat stuff? You no, no, still no. need, there's still technical difficulty to be a good rider. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, well, that's what I mean. Like, I mean, you can, it's like. It's just the power. Okay. It, gives you, it gives you an assistance with the power aspect. Okay. So our recommendations so far have just been to do pedal assist. If there's a policy design, pedal assist seems to be reasonable and okay. Um, full throttle is you know shouldn't be in there. Yeah. Um, pedal assist, I think, is the right way to do it because pedal yeah. assist is going to allow me to keep up with my kids as yeah. I get older, right? Yeah. But it's also going to make sure I don't go too fast. And um, I, I was kind of answering your question for you. The, the answer <laughs> is education because if you, if you don't think about it, right, if I just sit down and don't think about it and I go buy myself a full throttle e-bike and I go out to Fork Run and I go up this mountain at 40 miles an hour, I'm going to have a blast and I'm not going to realize how dangerous that is. And that's it's just education. Like, uh, yeah. why would you if you're if you if you don't think it through, you don't realize how bad of an idea it is until don't offer them as rentals. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, I think I'd, I'd say it's safe to say that e-bikes are here to stay. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and their use is going to become more and more prolific. I had someone this year. Um, I'm preparing for the Garrett County Grand Fondo in June, June 17th, which is our largest fundraiser. And I had someone email and saying, "Can I enter an e-bike?" Oh, whoa. And I thought, well, That's certainly. Cheating. Wait. Well, now, so I thought about this and looked up other fondos, and there's various ways to do it. Now, the reality is. Um, you can enter, you can't win. <laughs> well, they'd be in their own class. They'd be in their oh, own okay. class, oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We, we would ask them to self designate for us. Tell okay. us you have an e bike, please. Got because yeah. last year, when we had the return of the fondo from the pandemic, there were e bikes that entered. And real hardcore riders will come to you afterwards and say, that guy was on an e bike, that person on an e bike. Now, I'm not an uh, avid road cyclist myself, but I started looking into it, and there are real issues. For instance, e-bikes, um, because of the way that they can get ahead of groups, they can interfere with groups that are working together to draft or mm. things of that nature. So they mm-hmm. have to have some type of consideration for that. Mostly what I said to the person was, you're welcome to enter the e-bike. Please just let me know that you're doing it. No full throttle. And keep in mind that, say, the Diabolical Double, which is the hardest event, is 126 miles around the county on a Saturday with 16,000-plus feet of vertical climb. Your e-bike's not going to make it. Oh, That's point. a really good ride. point. Yeah. Your e-bike is it's not going to make. You're going to have to stop and judge. Yeah. Like so, I think for like the Fondo this year, what we'll likely see is. Uh, Could you imagine they bust out their little power pack in the backpack? <laughs> I, I can't oh. imagine it. Actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Somebody. Yeah. yeah, but we're welcoming them to any class this year. But what I think we'll likely see is Garrett's greatest twenty-five, the twenty-five miler, the forty-four miler, which yeah. is mostly it's flatter around the lake, and I'm excited for that because that opens that lower distance up to people 
that might have not been able to do it without a pedal assist. I've seen and ridden e-bike mountain bikes. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a road bike e-bike. Is it hard to tell? Like on an e-bike mountain bike, you can kind of tell. They're the fatter Beefy frames frame. and you can tell. Can you tell on a road bike? You know, it's interesting because, again, not being an expert in road cycling, but most of the, a lot of the cycling, bikes, uh, <laughs> a lot of the bikes that I see at the event have a mountain bike style frame. Okay, We have oh. the... I forget what the big tires are called now. All the fat sudden. tires. Fat tires. Fat yeah, tires. Yeah. There are people that enter fat tires, which oh, I, really? I think they're going to go 100 miles yeah. on a fat tire. <laughs> I think they're lunatics, but they do. Wow. They're, they're I mean, torturing an themselves. Yeah. You, know? Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I could even argue that e-bikes are good for you or can make. So the one of the issues you have if if you go mountain biking, you're going to go out and you're going to really work out. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean it's 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 tough, right? Sometimes you may not want to. You may want to go out and kind of work out, right. and that's what the e-bikes will allow you to do. Right. I, I do think you just want to enjoy. It and not take three Absolutely, hours right. to hike, you know, six miles. And it allows yeah. you to hang out with your family because if, if you're going on a family biking trip, there are some people who be better than others. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. going to happen. For sure. Hey, I didn't know you guys sponsored the Fondo and the 100s and all that stuff. Tell us what it is because uh, they're yeah. pretty amazing races. I didn't know. It was I've been waiting 12 episodes to ask this question. Oh, my bad. What Mike. is the Grand he Fondo? Had it, he had it in our. No, no, I didn't. I yes, did. he did. He did. <laughs> The Garrett County Grand Fondo, um, it was developed by a local cyclist as a way to get money generated towards, I believe it was a melanoma foundation at the time. I hope I have that correct. And the I event- think Savage Man and Fondo both did the melanoma. Okay. It was, uh, I forget the foundation, but yeah. Yeah. And so, but at a certain point in time, um, the event sort of got transferred to Garrett Trails as a fundraiser for us. It was absent for a couple of years because of COVID. It came back last year. But basically what it is, is it's a cycling event, not a race. You're not timed from beginning to finish, but what you are timed on are the seven king of the mountain climbs. So we've designated seven hills in the county that you'll encounter depending on what event you're in, and you'll be timed on that climb. So we only do timing uphill just for safety and for our own peace of mind. But, you know, you, again, you have people that ride 44 miler, you'll have people that ride the 60, the, um, you know, 100 plus, and then again, the diabolical double, which is 126 miles. You know, the double takes you from Garrett College that morning to Friendsville to Kaiser's Ridge to Barton. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, they're out there. And we even have cutoff times for some of these where a support van, I'll get a phone call. Josh, they're 300 yards away, but it's about to turn the cutoff time. And we let the riders know you can get in the van with us now and we can take you back or you ride unsupported for the remainder of the day. Oh, wow. And we have to do that because, you know, even last year we had some of the double riders come in at I think 920 that evening. Wow. It's a big day for people. So talk yeah. about the Seven Hills, because isn't it one of the last one, Overlook Pass? I mean, Overlook Pass is a steep road to drive up. No, the, the biggest one is um, Michael's Hill coming out of Barton. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big one. That's a huge climb. And then there's a hill called Killer Miller. Yeah. Which yeah. That's, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's been un, unofficial over the years, but we're actually going to try to get that in as a KOM this year. Okay. And, you know, the event draws people of all types. Um, it draws people what's, that are— what's KOM? King, King of the Mountain. Okay. And we have KOM and QOM, Queen of the Mountain, just for who has okay. the fastest times on the climbs. But it draws in Olympic caliber athletes, uh, national team riders that are always looking for something to continue training with. It draws in just normal people that are a little bit off. And I say that lovingly to yeah. them because they really do punish themselves. <laughs> yeah. on some of these Very I know a lot of people who have done it. And we have a couple like really avid cyclists in the office, Kellyanne yeah. and Jimmy. Right. And, you know, they talk about Killer Millie. No and offense, like Kellyanne, sorry. some of that goes through <laughs> Savage Man, right? There's a little bit of repetition over that. Do they do Killer Millie for Savage Man? I don't think yeah, they do. Killer Did they? Okay. Because yeah. I was never extremely familiar with Savage some, Man. Yeah. So they, there's some of like similar elements, but they say it's like literally one of the, I mean, Jimmy came on the podcast a couple weeks ago and said, I mean, it's literally some of the hardest 
hardest cycling you're gonna have yeah. as far as elevation and like it's just crazy. It's like just well, right said, here. You said the the Grand Fondo is sixteen thousand feet of elevation. Yeah, you're gonna do sixteen thousand five hundred feet of elevation That's change. Crazy. If you go to GaryCountyGrandFondo.org, you can go to the rides tab, and we actually have them all in ride with GPS where you can drag your cursor around the, the route and see the elevation change on an elevation. I map. love so in cool. mid June because all of a sudden when you're going down Shingle Camp. The little uh, the paint on the pavement shows Start up. Showing up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys start marking it, and I'm like, "Oh, it's grand final." So time. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know what it was. And Mandy and I were coming home from dinner one night, and there's a guy with a car behind him on the side of the road, and it's dark out, right. and like I'm like, "What is this?" You know, I mean, but I obviously didn't. I know now, but did yeah. you grow up with uh, Lee Collins, my brother-in-law? Yeah, Lee and I were in school together from preschool till graduation day. So, so I would think he, they know each other. Yeah, yeah. he's a. <laughs> I, I knew you guys. <laughs> I was, I was, that was for the show. <laughs> <laughs> so Lee is one of those people who's insanely athletic right. and likes uh, torturing himself. We were doing, or he was doing Savage Man. That's how I know Killer Miller was on it. Natalie was little, and he was coming up Savage Man. He flew in. He rode my road bike, which uh, I think he's the only one that ever rode it. Um, <laughs> anyway, he was coming to Killer Miller, and he popped a wheelie on purpose. That makes came sense. up Killer Miller. Yeah. Popping me with like one of the hardest hills to bike up right. just to show off to my four year old daughter at the time. And that, <laughs> that's how good of athletes some of these people are. Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not positive I could bike up Killer Miller. This dude popped a wheelie. Well, we do. I want everyone He's to know that. He's a dad now, so he probably can't anymore. That was a long I time. I don't if buy that at all. If you're listening, Lee, I want to see it now. I bet he can still do it now. <laughs> he probably can. You know, we do. We have people that sign up for one event, and the day they show up, they say, listen, you know, training wasn't right where I wanted to be or whatever. Can I do the lower one? Absolutely. Like, we'll move you around so you can do what you need to do to finish it safely. Yeah. So we had 654 riders last year. That's so amazing. Yeah. 600? Yeah. And 54. Wow. Yeah. The largest, I think, was when the former director, Ashley, was here. She did over 800. Wow. That's wild. So. But they do. you do go up Overlook Pass at one point, right? Like, yeah. that. that's a pretty famous. And that's yeah. pretty early on, I guess. Is that yeah, the first that's hill? that's basically the first real hill. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. that's the first one? That's where you start? Yeah, because you well, start at the, start college. the college. Oh, yeah. wow. Then, you know, up to Marshall Road, up Overlook. So you're getting a real taste of it in your first three miles. Right you're away. Like, oh, this is, this is legit. Yeah. And um, last year on June, that June, on June 18th, that Saturday, I think we were at 50 degrees in the morning. Yeah. And 70 in the afternoon. Oh, gosh. So they're really dealing with a lot of different things right. there. <laughs> um, yeah, but 50 to 70 as, as something that's like... You know, physically intensive. That's got to be kind of nice. I mean, seventy degrees, uh, yeah. fifty. It's like Ooh, I think the big perfect. problem is when they have to take their jackets off. For sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. All right. We have uh, <laughs> six aid stations. They're manned by volunteers. So that not only is the event a fundraiser for us, we make donations to the volunteer groups. So last year, Vinegar uh, Fire Hall, a group from Crossroads Church, volunteered to do the aid station, cut oranges, make sure there's PB and Js available for people. We have this huge spread at every one. And we were able to make a donation to them that they then donated to a, I think it's a, um, like a smiles program, like a child's dental program in Honduras. Yeah. You know, so we're trying, we try to find groups like that to work with so we can take some of this, donate it to them. But it's a big fundraiser for us. In fact, the second one behind Taste of Garrett, which again, hasn't made its return since COVID. Oh, I hope it comes back. Oh, I love yeah. Taste wait, 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 of wait, Garrett. I, I forget what that is. It's it, so fun. It's Is that so like restaurants? Fun. Yeah, all like yeah, a yeah. lot of like Mandy's local restaurants and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think the last one was at Wisp at the Lodge. Yeah, they've yeah, been at it Wisp. Was. Yeah. yeah. Right now what it is, is we reached out to restaurant partners and they've said, look, we're still 
understaffed. We're still Absolutely. having a supply yeah. chain of these things, and they're really the linchpin for it because they don't. Yeah. Well, it's donate in, their it's food. in summer, right? Yeah. It's typically in May. Yeah, oh, first week of May or something. So it includes the race up the face, which people love. Um, everyone yeah. gets in a big group. You and run, run. You run. run. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not on a bike. Not on a bike. But I would, <laughs> you I would enjoy it. that. Oh, yeah. he would totally run up. It's a, remind me. If it's it, hilarious. If it, if people it again. start running and then they walk. Yeah. No, no, no. Quickly. <laughs> yeah. See, I've never been that guy. Yeah. That's I'm, I'm always been the tortoise in the race. <laughs> yeah. But we're trying to get <laughs> sure. that back. I've, I've People email me and ask me about it, and I've let them know that this year it's, un, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But we like to do race up the face. You still do that. I think that would still just Right. So Let fun. me know. I'd really like to do Dude, that. Do race yeah. up the face with a beer truck up top. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what we're trying it's to do. A, and then have and if then you, have a you consume hill, your you calories that you just burned. <laughs> no, it's a real badge of honor for people to get to the top of face, and okay. I don't blame them because at the bottom you think, yeah, I got this, and then about halfway up you're like, oh god, Ooh, I've made you a mistake. Oh, it's <laughs> a joke. Yeah. I, I, I remember the first time I hiked down to the top of face yeah. in the summer, and I looked down, I was like. <laughs> people ski. I mean, I don't know anything about skiing, but I was like, people ski down this. That's wild. I wouldn't even want to walk down this. Um, you know, I haven't seen Lee for a number of years. Yeah, your brother-in-law. Yeah, and so I'm curious if he'd remember the same way I did it. He used to pick me up before school because he got his license first on his bike. No, <laughs> no, he had he had. You won't let the bike go. <laughs> he had this old blue Bronco too. Okay, all right, and cool. he picked me up. And one year on our way to school in Northern, we're outside of Accident, Maryland. They were repaving the highway, and they had about four miles of orange road cones up. Okay. And he just starts slawing them, slawing <laughs> driving through the cones. Because there were no construction workers for miles. They just set the cones up. He's 45 just, now. He won't get in trouble. Like his parents. <laughs> Generally one of my favorite memories from high school, because we were all howling with laughter as he's just going through them and through them and through them until— Treating them like ski gates. Yeah, and I think by the time we got to the end where there were road workers— you know, we're back in the right lane with maybe two or three cones shoved up under the undercarriage of his Bronco dragging <laughs> oh, so on the did, highway. He didn't make it all of Straight okay, to school. Okay, okay. You know, that's what it was. Speaking of your favorite memories, do you have a, uh, we usually say what's your best Honey story, but, you know, being that you're local, you've been around, you can use Honey or your favorite going out. I do actually county. have favorite my favorite Creek story. Or going out deep creek. Sure, yeah. Make it a drunken story. Uh, I think what I'll stick with is the honey suggestion. <laughs> because this one really entertained me one day. A Saturday afternoon, you, you know, the lawn's full of people. The boats are on the docks, tied up. People are sunbathing on their boats. And I was standing there watching the lake. And from across the lake, somewhere by the state park, a fan boat okay. was screaming across the lake. Like the What's type they use the, type they used to the be swamp. A couple of them, yeah. Um, Flat like, bottom oh, with God. the oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So they, these guys come in. They used uh, to be out quite a bit. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a yeah, big yeah. red boat. It's yeah. beautiful. So they come to the Honey, and they go up into the bar. He's the only one I've ever seen. I've seen one of them here. So they uh, get a couple of drinks. They're there for just a little bit, and then they go back down and get in their boat to leave. And as they push the boat out of the dock, the fan is now towards the lawn <laughs> and towards all the boats. I could see what they are about to do because they were laughing at each other. Yeah. And he opened the fan up just wide, just wide to start. <laughs> and he must have filled every boat. <laughs> Every person sunbathing in their boats got creamed. People in the grass beach got creamed. <laughs> and I got to be honest, I, I almost fell on the ground laughing so hard. I was just like, that is so messed up. Now we know why we don't see a fan boat anymore. <laughs> Way to go, buddy. That's hilarious. All the, heads, all the heads that popped up from boats when they were sunbathing, <laughs> taking naps. It was incredible. Good job, fan could, boat You guys. probably could see the steam, you know, oh, boiling was... off their heads from the water that just got dumped <laughs> on them. <laughs> One of my favorites. Is there anything you're salty about? Garbage. Pick it up. Uh, yeah, good point. Fair enough. Good one. I'll be honest. We've had back-to-back -back episodes now. Yeah. We're pack it up in, pack it out. Garbage. Yeah. It, is, it is literally the 
easiest thing to yeah. not do. Sure. To just not throw trash on the if ground. If you throw trash on the ground, it, it, you're lazy. Yeah. Don't throw, put it in your pocket, put it in your backpack. Yeah. In your I mean, there's no reason to throw trash yeah. on the ground. So, and, and, you know, I spend so much time uh, in State Forest and around Garrett County that I see old legacy dumps. Yeah. You know, um, I see where people are still dumping trash in streams, trash in those areas. And, you know, we want to work in some fashion in the future to see, I do, I do, at least outside of Garrett Trails, to see how we can help people clean up in their communities. And then the other thing going along with trash is you are not coming back for that dog bag that you just stuck by that bush. <laughs> no. You're not. That's a good point. Okay? I promise you you're not. Your intentions are good, and I love you for your intentions, but you're, you're not forget. coming back for it. And Wouldn't it be better just to not bag I it? was going to say, uh, you should yeah, just yeah, yeah. leave no, it. There's not plastic. A, right. stick, a stick can fling poo into the forest pretty far <laughs> if that's what you need to do. Um, but I will pick it up. If I come across it, because that's what oh, I'm supposed to do. But... If I was you, that's what I would be salty about. I'm not picking yeah. up dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a special backpack that I use to pick up dog shit in the woods. So you're already carrying a chainsaw, a shovel, <laughs> a backpack, gasoline, oil, and now you're like, great. It's one of the most biodegradable <laughs> things in the world, and you put it in a plastic bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, but don't throw it on the ground, or if you see it on the ground, you can pick it up. The county's actually making a good push to it too, and there there are some other options for it now. The bear-proof trash containers, yeah. um, you've seen them. They're made out of wood, and a bear, if he really wants to, he's going to get in there. Yeah. Uh, my friend Craig's a welder, and he owns a welding rod. He's now making these uh, steel bear-proof trash right. containers, and uh, I forget he was telling me the other day he has a hundred or so of them out already. And they've been testing them, and to date, a bear has not gotten in them. Uh, it's, they're it's, steel. It's such know. a big deal because we do have so many people that come and rent, and it's an important part of our economy. I wish they knew that the landfill was just up the road. Sure. Um, because when I see bears eating trash, it's it's disturbing. It's sad. We're teaching generations of these these animals to do that. Well, um, now by us fixing the problem, it's gonna they're not gonna know how to eat anymore. You know. Well, yeah, they'll be out of diapers for a few years, but they'll eventually you well, know, sure. start flipping <laughs> logs again. <laughs> Uh, which I've seen, by the way, the dozens and dozens of diapers. Yeah, the bear just the bitten bears. right in the middle of every, sing, every single one. Bit, every single one bitten right in the middle. Ew. Discarded. Come on, bears. I mean, you know, have you ever seen a dog? Yeah. They love poo. To your, uh, <laughs> to your, your thing about the bear-proof containers. There's a story I want to tell about one of our homeowners in the Red Oaks development that yeah. my family developed. Was out one day pouring bleach all over their non-bear-proof trash container. Just okay. pouring bleach all over it. And I stopped. And that's and, supposed to deter them? So I stopped and said, okay. hey, what are you up to? And they said, that bear's not going to get my trash again this time. I said, all right. So the next day I was driving was back. bleach? Yeah, he was co- coating all the trash and bleach in his container so the bear wouldn't eat it. Okay. So the next day I drove by his house. Trash was everywhere. <laughs> okay, I mean strewn everywhere. And the bleach bottle that he had emptied and then thrown in the trash was the bottom of it was eaten off by the black bear. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that, that plan didn't work. Yeah, the only way to keep them out is to get that bear-proof container <laughs> taken to the dump. We you heard can, it here first, folks. <laughs> we can fix work. the bear-proof containers. That's going on. Yeah. It's just educating people to actually put their trash in them. Seriously. In them, um, yes. That's, yeah. that's, put that's, it understood. in them. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. yeah. So how, do pe- how can people help Garrett Trails? Well, we're always appreciative of a donation. If you'd like to make a donation to us, you can do we that. We brought on, you a hat. You can do that on the website <laughs> we'll as well. We'll donate you a hat. <laughs> um, we will make a donation. <laughs> But besides just, you know, asking for money, one of the greatest helps is for you to give us a call if you see something. Okay. What, whatever agency manages the land, we'll get that information to them if it's not us. So, and again, we have a great relationship with state parks, with state forest, where someone says, hey, this tree was down, this was down, we want to call and get that cleaned up. We'll even offer if the state forest can't go out or state park can't go out, we'll go out, get the work done, 
maybe hit up a couple volunteers that are always uh, really happy to come do that with us. So just give us information. I can't fix a problem if I don't know about it. And then your volunteer time. It's been difficult through COVID to get people to come and volunteer very often. There's, um, I'm very appreciative of the ones that have signed up, very appreciative of the ones that show up. We'd like to get more of a volunteer core going. Um, a lot of trail organizations all over the country and a lot of organizations are facing this where their supporters are, to use a term some people will not like, aging out of that activity. Sure. So I meet a lot of people that are younger that want to get involved in these types of things. We'll be doing a National Trails Day, uh, Trail Work Day with Friends of New Germany, which oh, I cool. looked them up on Facebook. Yeah. They're the support group for New Germany State Park. Okay. So typically uh, annually in June, we meet with them on Trails Day. We get together with all of our tools. We do trail maintenance projects for them over in New Germany. So keep your eyes peeled for and that. And you're a nonprofit, so mm-hmm. uh, like a high schooler that needs service le- learning coordination hours, right? Service learning hours, is that that's still a thing for high schoolers, right? I think it is, but we don't have any programs that offer for service learning. We okay. did have an Eagle Scout work with us last year. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm uh, an Eagle Scout. Let are you? Know. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. All right, yep. so John Carr. So is Lee. Well, we'll be there. He lives on, <laughs> he lives on the other coast. Uh, Eagle Scouts only. <laughs> yeah, I want to say you know, props to John Carr and his dad, Jay. They live in an accident, and when they saw the work that we were doing in Margraft to remediate it and get it open again, they volunteered to help, but then John asked if he could do his Eagle Scout project in Margraft. Cool. He, he went out, did a lot of limb removal for us and weed eating. He built three beautiful benches that we were able to place out there that have the Boy Scout emblem burned into them, that kind of thing. So, yeah, if there's some oh, scouts out cool. there looking for something awesome. to do, we Inspiring. can help. Inspiring. Love yeah. it. I think Steve Green's a scout master. Or he was something. their troop leader. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Hey, the other thing we can probably help you with, uh, and you're bunching the dragon boat race, which yeah. we bring up a lot. We committed. We, we yeah, we're, we're in. We, we wrote the check today. That's awesome. We're, we're in it this year. <laughs> Thank Gold you guys for volunteering uh, your time there. <laughs> we can help you promote your events. So uh, let's make sure we stay in touch. Absolutely. The grand fondos, the whatever. We can yeah. definitely help you promote them. And uh, um, yeah, I, I would say keep going. We, I think. I wish somebody would bring Savage Man back. There, there's another event that we haven't thought of yet that somebody needs to bring here. There, there are more events we could do like yeah. that. Like yeah. if, if you're getting 650 people to ride the Grand Fondo, mm-hmm. to cycle the Grand Fondo, these aren't little bikes they're buying, they're renting. They're right. two to twenty thousand dollar bikes. I mean, these are these are legit athletes, and there, there are more events that could go on here. You know, the estimated impact that I've been that's been related to me that the Grand Fondo has in the county is is close to a million dollars. I believe it. Sure. Um, there are people that show up days in advance and they rent a hotel or they rent a rental home so they can get acclimated, so they can train. Their families come and support them. Um, we do this restaurant um, swap where the restaurants that participate in Taste of Garrett offer a ten dollar voucher to all the Grand Fondo athletes. And so, you know, we have this great kind of community spirit to something like this. There was a guy, I wish I remembered his name, and we would wrap up after this. He uh, came here from New York to ride the Grand Fondo, and I don't remember how old he was. He was in his 60s, and he was, he was here with his daughter, and he forgot his biking shoes. Right. Okay, so their first thought was, I was like, hey, go to High Mountain Sports, pick up a new pair of shoes. Right. He didn't want to because they were his special shoes, and he's getting ready to 100 miles, and he was ready to do them. Um, he paid my friend Mike Green, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks to drive to New York, pick up his shoes, and bring them back for them. <laughs> like, that's wow. how legit this guy is. He yeah. wouldn't just go buy a pair of new shoes. 
he didn't have time to go back because he needed to sleep and do his stretches or whatever these guys. Also goes to show you how legit Mike Green is. Uh, what <laughs> say, dude? What? Who this, goes to you, bro? Maybe this guy's <laughs> listening to it. I wish I remembered his name. It was at Sun Place. He rented one of our houses at Sun Place, and I ran into him and I was like, "Look, I can help you. Or I'll try to help you, but I don't have time for a twelve-hour drive. I can't go there back." And Mike Green was one of the first people I thought of. I said, "Hey, man, you want to make a couple hundred bucks?" Right. And Mike drove to New York, got the guy's shoes, and wow. came back. Shoes. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> What's up, Mike? He's down in Key West now. Yeah, hopefully. He, yep. Sometimes yeah. the flight gets delayed, but <laughs> Josh, thank you. Thank yeah, you for man. the invitation, guys. I really Thanks. appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Peace. Hit the outro.